This is a Mirakami Minute, presented by the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. If you only read the books that everyone else is reading, you can only think what everyone else is thinking. Haruki Mirakami, Norwegian Wood. I'm your host, Caleb James, with me today, Spencer Church. I think that quote perfectly encapsulates Haruki Mirakami storytelling. Because, I will say this, even the stories I don't like, they always make you think a different way. And the stories are always told in a way that just seems, I don't know, just seems like something you haven't read before. Today, uh, we're covering three stories. Three. Because uh, one of them is actually pretty short. Both of them are kind of short. Yeah. Or one, two, two of them are kind of short. Right. Uh, we are going to be covering the Kangaroo Communique. On scene, the 100% Perfect Girl, One Beautiful April Morning. Yes, that is one title. Uh, and that's only like five pages. I feel like the title's almost bigger than the story. Yeah, right. uh, then the uh, final story that we'll be covering today is Sleep, which that is the longer one. Uh, so going first to the Kangaroo Communique. I don't remember what the... that was. This is a weird story. The first two of this episode, uh, both of them are kind of like creepy. Yeah, they're definitely creepy. Uh, this one... More so creepy? Uh, maybe. We'll get to it here. So this story, one, it's written in the form of a transcribed audio cassette tape. So it's an audio recording, and it's, I don't know, It's that's how it's supposed to be written, but it still doesn't come across like what I would imagine, imagine a transcription would be. Yeah. But it's essentially a guy... He works for like a, I don't know, just like a... I don't know if they even say where he works, but he's like a, a, he's a customer service kind of let's person. Let's just say a retail clothing store or something. Well, it sells records, apparently. So oh. whatever store that sells records Makes in sense 1980s, for... I'd imagine. He works in the customer service slash complaint department. An anonymous woman, he doesn't know her, filed a complaint because she bought a record. I guess a week went by and she realized it was the wrong record. Tried to return it. She never see it. They wouldn't let her. So she sent... A pretty nondescript complaint letter, and he goes into great detail about this complaint letter. This guy, because he's sending, you're supposed to write her a letter back, I guess, explaining something, uh, and he does not. <laughs> he he, he says he tried, not. he tried multiple, multiple times, but he couldn't get it right because her letter, which didn't have much detail, he said it wasn't even really a complaint. For some reason, he fell in love with her through the letter, I guess? Through, like, her writing. Yeah. Which he doesn't he... even know what she looks like or anything. Just through the way, he, like, the punctuations and just, like, the way she wrote. Like, he just, yeah, just fucking drove him crazy. He read it mo- many, many times over. And I forget, did he say he touched himself to that letter? I feel like he did. Uh, I don't know if he said it. But, but he definitely did. I, but he definitely did, yeah. Uh, and there was nothing to give away that this guy was a creep, other than, obviously, the way he's talking to this woman. Uh, but just, like, you don't know anything about it, just an unknown narrator just works for this company. And he, he expresses multiple times that he knows sending her this cassette, because he feel like he had it. Well, the only way he could talk to her and get his feelings out about the letter and everything is to send her an audio recording. Well, no, he's, no, he records it, like, at her doorstep. Is he's, it at our doorstep? He's, he's, he's sitting there at the hut, and, and he's sitting there, and that's where he's recording, because he even talks about knocking on the door. Right. Yeah. So, like, he's just sitting at her house recording this. Even creepier. Yeah, and he's just going to leave it there, I guess. And he doesn't even care. Not only does he not care if she replies, he kind of doesn't want her to reply, because he doesn't... Because like, he, even at this point, he knows. He knows it's fucked up. Yeah. And he just rambles about all this weird nonsense and goes topic to topic. 
I don't remember if we covered it in the last episode, but we definitely will cover now. That is a common character that appears in Mirakami's work, as we saw the the girl in the first The Wind-Up Bird story. So some person that just goes on and on about random shit while somebody else either is there and is not listening or not really paying attention, or this person is just rambling into the ether. Like, they're just fucking nonsense into oblivion. Which, uh, like, for you, but for me, that's almost my daily... Talk, people talking they, at you? He's just talking at me, just not... That or I'll just catch him just rambling. They're not hiring nobody. Honestly, I didn't really care for this story, which is probably why I didn't remember that detail about the knocking. I just wasn't invested in it, because it, I don't... Like, I like his weird stories, but this one just felt, like, like you said, creepy and weird, because he does get into all the sexual stuff, but he doesn't want to have sex with her, but he knows, like, they would have sex. Yeah. I don't know. It just was fucking weird. And you don't ever know, like, if she ever even gets the you know, listens to the cassette or not. Yeah. Which somehow also just makes it even more creepier that there's this thing out there that, you know, yeah. that she might not even know about. And this is going to come up in the next uh, story too, I believe, but I think this is one of those cultural things Yeah. where in Japan, like a person going out of their way to do something like this would be so out of the norm that it would be worth writing a story about. Like it would be so weird and bizarre. Whereas over here, it would still be bizarre if somebody, you know, since you were, like, you go to Walmart because they fucked up an order, and instead you get this weird audio thing. Like, you might call the cops, you know? He would want to, and he even said, like, he knew he might get fired for this, but he couldn't help it. But in in actuality, still wouldn't be that out of the park, like. Yeah, like, you could see that happen in the United States. There's enough people, and it's just, like, there's enough outlandish people, but in Japanese culture, like, you don't bother people. That's one big thing over there is you're not supposed to bother anybody. Must you're, be nice. You, you ride the bullet train, you're silent. You're not texting, you're not being loud, you're not playing music, you're just silent. You don't even eat in public. Like, it's just, you don't you don't want to be rude. That's like a big thing over there. So this would just be so out of pocket that, yeah. <laughs> like, this would probably get the FBI or their version of the FBI involved. Like, this guy is clearly off his rocker, which is a, a thing that does happen in Japan where and it's at, there's a name for it for old people who just all of a sudden start acting out in public. It's actually kind of hilarious. There's a lot of videos. All-timers? Like, no, no, they're they're perfectly, they know what they're okay. doing. They're just lashing out of society. There's like, and it was very like petty ways. Like there's a video I saw where it's this old man and they keep trying to close the door to the train and he keeps sticking his arm in so they can't, cl- and that's just, he's just causing ruckus, you know, just, well, you just f- so everybody's late, like just being a, a jerk. Well, you you figure after like sixty years of following those strict, just being rules, like, conforming. Yeah, the, you're the, just like fuck it. <laughs> yeah, so there is like, and you'll find that the more you read Japanese literature, there's you'll start popping up more and more where you see characters who almost like they just must have hit their breaking point. Like this guy, I imagine he just hit his breaking point randomly. Like, he doesn't, he says his job's fine, he's normal, like, he doesn't have any complaints about life or anything, but clearly something's wrong yeah. if he feels the need, the compulsion, to send some weird thing out like this. I will say, if this wasn't written by a famous person like Haruki Murakami, I don't think this story would get published in most, anywhere. Oh, no, probably it's not. not a, it's not a good story, let's be honest. I, did you like the story? It's more it's of weird, like... weird, but like, I... It's more of like an exercise... That's what yeah, I, that's what I've seen with just or kind of noticed with only like reading his short stories is that it seems like some of them are just like 
Well, let's just see. Like, you know what I mean? Well, like, with Mirakami's work, especially his novels, because I'm already starting to get the sense that he's definitely a way better novelist than short story writer because the way he ends a lot of these stories isn't really an ending. A lot of these stories aren't even actually stories. Like this one. This isn't a story. There's no narrative at all. It's just this guy sending this creepy audio uh, recording. It's almost kind of like a scene. Yeah. Yeah, like just a scene. But the way this goes, which kind of follows Mirakami's style, which again could also be more of a Japanese style, but definitely a very strict Mirakami. Like if somebody read this, they would probably know it was Mirakami because it's more about the feeling you get. It's not about the story. It's about how the story makes you feel. And like you said, maybe this was him kind of like experimenting with that. Uh, Because if this was written in the 80s, while he was famous at the time, I don't think, like, some of his more seminal work, like the Wind Up Bird Chronicles, came out just yet. Uh, so I would imagine he was still finding his voice at times, maybe experimenting with different things. And this was definitely one of those ones that's supposed to make the reader feel a certain way. Uh, this one was also, which could be another problem as we talked about in the last episode, this was, again, Alfred Birnbaum who translated this story. And then I enjoyed the following two stories more, and those were both Jay Rubin yeah. translations. So, also, the story, uh, maybe it was supposed to be creepier. Maybe it was supposed to be more of a horror-esque, like, oh, this is something wrong with this guy. But it doesn't come across that way, at least with this translation. But I would imagine this could easily be a horror story, because the way this guy goes about trying to reach out to this, to this woman he doesn't know is so fucking weird. Yeah, because it's not even like a, uh, he's being, like, other than being in... Like, at her house, he's not even really being, like, super aggressive about it. Yeah. It's, it's just, just, like, that they, that weird... There's nothing menacing about it, but if you listen to the audio recording that this guy sends her, you'd be like, what the fuck? You would listen to the whole thing, because you can't not yeah. listen to it. But you'd be like, this is... This guy's a stalker or something. Something's wrong with this Well, because it doesn't even bother me. It's like, if you are listening to this, and if you've made it this far, you know? Yeah. Uh, and even mentions, like, I almost thought about not sending this because when I played it back up to this point, I realized how stupid and awful this sounds. And But he ends up sending it anyway. You know, it would be interesting to get to, like, listen to that story in, like, an audible. Yeah, somebody actually reading it, and that'd be interesting. It'd almost be, like, the character from You, I would think. Uh, Who, me? It's the show You. <laughs> Just being, like, obsessed with some random woman that he... Which is another trend that we're seeing in this collection because this is the following story as well. How did this story end? Did it... It just... He sent it out? Is that what the... I think so, yeah. There wasn't, like, an end to it. What was this next story? It was... I had to look it up again. It was a long name. I didn't particularly enjoy this story either, but it was only, like, four or five... It was, like, five pages, I think. On scene, the 100% perfect girl, one beautiful April morning. This was about a guy who sees a woman in the street, and he thinks she is the 100% perfect woman for him. Not because she's beautiful, because she's not, explicitly stated. Which, another uh, Haruki Mirakami thing that seems to pop up in his work. Ugly people. Ugly. Not necessarily. Like, people who are just plain. Yeah. You never remember their faces. Uh, They just look. Like, that's all you can say. They just look. They don't look like anybody. They don't have, they're not beautiful. They're not ugly. They're just people that you would pass in the street and you would never recognize. Their, like you, if you saw them again. Extras. Yeah, like extras. If you saw them again, you would never recognize that you saw them before. They're just nondescript people. But that's like the main characters in a lot of these stories. So anyway, because uh, we could cut this one extra short. This guy 
uh, finds this woman, and he goes kind of through this thing of in his head because he tells his buddy about it, and the buddy's like, "Oh, she's like hot or something." He's like, "I don't, no, not really." He's like, "Oh, well, like, why do you like?" It? And the buddy immediately loses interest because yeah. it's just like the way he's describing it is so boring, and it's it's like just go talk to her. And it, big part of the story is him just trying to figure out what he would say to her. Uh, and he comes up with various scenarios, and then finally he comes up with like this big long it's thing. Like, it's like the last two pages. Yeah, it's about how uh, like two teenagers or young college students met each other, and they realized that he was the perfect boy for her, hundred percent, and she was the hundred percent. And the hundred percent is important too, by the way. A hundred percent perfect girl for him, and then they get to talking for hours, and they realize, oh my god, we're great, but maybe we should test this theory. Maybe we should actually see if we're 100% perfect for each other. We'll leave, and if we end up running into each other again, we know it was meant to be. But then they don't, because that's a fucking stupid thing to do. Uh, it's a foolish thing that some youth, some youths would come up with. So they don't do, they don't run into each other. And then, uh... Well, because, like, none of that actually happens, because he never actually says anything to her. Well, this is all just what he thinks he yeah. would say to her, because it starts off as, like, it's gonna be a sad story. And then what he says is, he would, 19 years later, in their 30s, whenever they're in their 30s, uh, they would run into each other again, kind of, like, on the street, which is describing this scenario. But they both had about an influenza that kind of wiped their memory, so they don't necessarily know each other. And over the years, they met some people who were perfect for him, 75%, 80%, but never that 100 and Then he sees her, and she sees him, and there's this slight recollection in the back of their head, this weird sensation that this perfect, this person is perfect for me. I know this person, but I don't. And then they just pass, and that's the sad story because yeah. they don't ever connect, and it's just two perfect people for two people perfect for each other, but they never meet meet up again, and they just let it go. And that was weird. Uh, and again, that guy came off very obsessive because he doesn't actually know this woman that he saw on the street and has never expressed that this woman would think he's, you know, he's perfect for her. Uh, he just hopes. Even in his own ramblings to himself, he he uh, thinks or says that there's a good chance that she'll reject me outright and I'm not perfect for her. And she might even say I'm ugly and I'll fall to pieces. And that was a, that, that was a weird one. <laughs> so it's like back to back stories about obsessive people. I don't know how I really felt about that. Um, that one I like better than the the one before it. Um, yeah, because at least the, at least this one was kind of like a story. Yeah, and the end of it it was an end, so there was that. And I did kind of like the uh, like if you if you if you had the balls of the the cachet to to walk up to a woman and like give them that page long just like monologue yeah. to be like. I wonder if that would work or not. Probably not. Like essentially, just giving them a story. Yeah. And that was a good story. Like the uh, way the way it was expressed and all the details. Again, Jay Rubin, I think, does such a better job of translating because he really expressed the like the warmth that they might have for each other that you know had cooled over time because they haven't seen each other and they kind of forget each other. Nah. But then he talks about the recollection. It's like I think I knew that person because they never dated or anything. No. In this guy's scenario, this again, none of this ever happened. He's just uh, this is what he thinks because he's a fucking nut job too. Apparently, is thinking how how he would uh, interact with this woman if he had the balls to talk to her, which he doesn't. Yep. He, he never talks to her, <laughs> and so he ruins his hundred percent or his chance for the 100% perfect woman for him. Even though, like, why is she perfect for him? He doesn't even know why. He just feels hey, it. sometimes it's just a feeling. Just a feeling. So this next story, Sleep. This one I really liked. It was weird. Yeah. And I hated the ending. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I, but I loved, uh, I wouldn't say love, that's a little too, uh. 
This <laughs> this could have been like a um not a novel but a uh, novelette. Yeah, if we expanded it because it en- the way it ends is like, come on, man, am I missing some pages? What happens? But this story uh, is very weird. So it starts off with a woman. Uh, she's like a mother of one, a wife, and a stay-at-home wife. Uh, her life actually sounds pretty awesome. Like she kind of complains about the mon- how mundane it is. But I'm like, oh, I take mundane. But she uh, starts off telling how when she was like in college or high school or something, she went through a bout of insomnia. And I think it was like for a month. She couldn't sleep. And I really liked the descriptions of how she was pretty much like a zombie just walking through a dream all day, every day. Because, you know, she's exhausted. She yeah. just can't sleep. Like, as soon as it's time for bed, she uh, would be wistfully awake. Like, she just couldn't she couldn't sleep. Um, but she described, like, that. And then one day she's just at the kitchen table. And then all of a sudden she just gets up and goes to bed in, like, middle of her meal or with her family or whatever. And sleeps for 27 days yeah. straight. And her parents couldn't wake her up, and it's just, like, crazy. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, that would be nice. But then the real story picks up when she's talking about what happened to her as of recent, which I didn't think about this till now with this ending, is how does this story get out? Because she's the one telling the story. Uh, We'll get there. So she goes through her mundane life. Pretty much every day is the same as the day before. And she keeps a journal, and if she forgets the journal, she doesn't even know what day it is because every day is the same. She has a husband who's a dentist, and the way she describes his face, she cannot remember his face as soon as he's gone. Like, she talked about trying to draw his face once, and she couldn't remember the details because he's such a nondescript-looking person. But everybody likes him. He's real nice. He's real good to her. Well, though, but though with him, though, they do kind of go, like, he also could maybe kind of be kind of ugly. Like, that one, they kind of... Steer closer to ugly, but it gets harder later. But she, you know, and then she has a son, good relationship with him. And it's just like, you know, her husband goes to work. He'll come home for lunch. She'll make lunch. Her husband's not a drink or anything, so he comes home. He doesn't drink or anything, so he comes home right after work every day. They spend time. They have sex like a normal married couple. Uh, she's 30, so she's kind of concerned with her aging now. Like, she tries to keep fit by going swimming, and she always looks at her face to make sure, you know, she's not getting too old or anything. I like how it's written. Because, like I said, it's very mundane, and it shows exact like you really get the feeling of what it would be like to be this housewife. Well, she's even said uh, in the story of, especially later on, where she realized of like the mechanical of her just do like just not paying attention. She just go through her day to day without paying. Like it's just, uh, you know, she's like a robot. She just does it and doesn't even really just like on autopilot. Yeah, but at the beginning, she doesn't mind her life. Uh, she doesn't have any problem with her life. It's just, you know, it's weird how you could go through every day. And I think she even laments that, you know, if she died or something, like, what would they write about her? Like, nobody, like, she didn't really live. But she's, like, she's fine with her life. But then, one night, she is sleeping. And her husband, I love, is, is because he's such a hard sleeper. Yeah, just dead. I, I envy him so much. Like, you could punch him in the face and he's not going to wake up. And yeah. her son's the same way. Like, they just, like, they dead sleepers. They just, as soon as they sleep... They get their eight hours no matter what. (laughs) Yeah, right? But this is where the story turns into full-on horror for a moment. Like, I thought this scene was really fucking freaky. Because the way Mirakami describes this, too, is, again, you can feel it. Like, you're, like, if you're really invested in the story, you're like, holy shit, this is scary. It reminded me almost like some Stephen King type of stuff where this girl, this woman, she's sleeping and she's having, like, a bad dream. I forget what the actual dream was she was having. Was it the old guy with the... Well, before that, the dream she was having that led up to that. 
I don't remember. Because, fuck, that was deep. I just read that too. But she was having like a bad dream. And then she wakes up. I think she woke up with a start. She's like, ah, oh, what the fuck? Like, oh, I don't like that. And then she notices a shadow at the foot of the bed. She's like, what is that? And then she's like, I can't move. She's pretty much she's describing sleep paralysis. Yeah. When you like are awake, but your body is still asleep. That's what she he was describing. But she was asleep, but then, you know, her, her her mind's awake, but she can see something at the foot of her bed, and then it slowly comes into focus, and it's an old man, and he's wearing, like, this very tight, weird black shirt or clothes. She's never seen anything like it before, and he, I think he just looked very, like, plain, like, he was just, like, no expression on his face. And then he starts pouring, and it's like, the way it's written, though, is just, like, very freaky. I'm just like, oh, God, that would be horrifying. And she can't move, and she wants to scream, but she can't scream. And then this old guy starts pouring a pitcher of water on her feet. And he it's just an endless pitcher. Yeah, it never ends. It just keeps going and going. And she's afraid her feet are going to rot off. And it just keeps going. And then she tries her hardest to scream. And then, like, her whole body shakes and trembles. And the scream, actually, it won't come out verbally. So it just goes through her whole body then she ends up waking up and like just completely soaked with sweat and just fe- not feeling right at all. She's all fucked up. So that was the catalyst for her never sleeping again, apparently. Yeah. But you know, she- that that really hit home with me. Hit home with the like the picture of the water over the feet because like I don't know about you, but like I I hate when just my feet are wet. You know, like if you like walked through through a puddle or something that you didn't right. see or something like that, and just like. Only your feet are soaked. Like, oh, man, that fucking pisses me off. You step in something with your sock, like an ice cube or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's the worst. But to speed things along here, she ends up developing a whole new routine because now she can't sleep. Like, she just, no matter what, she's full. But not like she was when she had insomnia before. Now she's full of energy. Yeah, she's active. She She got more energy than ever. Yeah, so every night she's ending up drinking, like, bottles of uh, brandy and she starts reading again because she used to be... A very uh, voracious reader. When but she then, was a kid. Yeah, then she just like stopped when she got married. What uh, was she reading? Anna Karenina. But before we get there, when she was a kid, she would always read stuff. But I, what was the there was a moment where she stopped reading. Because of the candy, the chocolate on the page? No. Uh, something with her husband. Was it the scene where she got in a fight with her husband's mom? Was that why she stopped reading? Because she got well, no, they had to, she had to stop for a while because the mother was over there for something. But then um, a little bit later on in the story, she mentions on how when the, before the their child were born, she got into an argument with the mom. Yeah, it was about the name. Yeah, because but that she, but that didn't stop. That was a separate thing from. Um, I thought that's why it had something to do with her not reading anymore. No. But, but anyway, she so she starts reading Anna Karenina. And uh, it slowly builds up again. She starts a new routine. I'm really speeding this up because this actually is pretty drawn out. But uh, what it comes down to is she starts really reflecting on her life and she's enjoying all this alone time that she's having and realizing, like, how did I live the way I was living, you know, this mundane life? Like, now she's like, because her husband sleeps so hard, she could just take the car and go out for night cruises and stuff. And there is a scene where she goes out to, like, a harbor or something and a cop comes up. There's like two in the morning or something. Cop knocks on her window. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing out here?" She's like, "Oh, just I couldn't sleep, you know." And he's like, "Well, you better be careful. A couple got attacked out here just like last week, and uh, the woman they raped the woman, killed the guy. Like it was like yeah. real violent." She's like, "Oh, okay, I'll, I'll go home now." I didn't realize that was some foreshadowing. You right? But then she goes uh, seventeen days. She doesn't sleep, 
and she goes through like her life at she's growing concerned about it but she feels so good she's she said she's like realizes how pretty she is her body's like fitter than ever she's swimming harder than she ever had so she's feeling yeah she's like before she would swim like for a half an hour now she's going for like at least an hour because she if not she's gonna have way too much energy yeah and she's playing tennis she's like she's just feeling great actually and she knows, like, she tells anybody about this no sleeping thing or make her go to a doctor. She'll probably end up in a psych ward and nothing's going to get solved. So she's just uh, going to accept, like, well, I guess the new normal. But she is slightly worried that it's all going to catch up to her. Which, though, though she was kind of fine with. She's like, I'm I'm fine with paying the, the tab that I'm building up yeah. now later. Yeah, because she gets all this extra free time and, uh. One night when she's driving, too, she drives past semi-drivers. She's like, oh, that sucks. They got to work night shifts and sleep during the day. Well, I don't have to sleep at all. And uh, it's like she just mentions how great it is to have all this extra time and stuff. But she also worries, though, because, like you said, she's not she's willing to pay that tab. But, like, before she slept for, slept for 27 days straight when she had that bout of insomnia. So she worried. What was it, 27 days? It was 27 hours, right? Yeah, I think so. 27 days would be ridiculous. Yeah. yeah it was you would die. Yeah, 27 hours. <laughs> I should go back and retcon that. Yeah, it was 27 hours she slept, not 27 days. So that is in the back of her mind, though. Oh, you know, what if this all catch? And that's what I thought was going to happen. It was, like, was going to all catch up to her or something. But she... Th- and here's a weird twist. This almost played like a possession story. Like, first she goes to her husband when he's sleeping, and she's like, when's the last time I really looked at his face while he was sleeping? And she reminisces about when they first got married and how she used to do it all the time. And she's looking at his face, and she just, like, slowly describes first how she likes him and stuff, and then just really slowly uh, delves into how much she kind of hates his face, and he's ugly, and he has a mole that's vulgar. Yeah. Starts using the word vulgar. And then she just goes into, like, ugh, do I even like this guy? And I hate his mom. And, oh, and then she goes and sees her sons, and the same thing. She's like, oh, my God, I'm going to grow to despise him when he's older because he takes after his father and his mother, or his stepmother, her mother-in-law. Yeah. So his grandmother. And she just goes on about how that, her, that bloodline's stubborn, and then, like, the kid's going to have the same face. and So she pretty much just says she's going to fucking hate her family, is what you're getting at. And then it ends with her going to the harbor... She's, and this is like a far harbor. She drives and drives and drives. And she parks under these bright lights, like a street light or something. And she described earlier, which was I thought was a really cool bit of foreboding too, is how the car, because she has her own car, her husband has a car. She has like a shitty car she bought, like a Honda Civic or something. She bought off of one of her friends or girlfriends for real cheap. And she like she loves the car, but every once in a while it won't start. She once or twice a month it just won't fucking start. Such is life. Like when she's even talking about on the drive there and how well what, the car the drive yeah the, like the, it the fired right up way. yeah and it was driving better than it's ever driven. It was like she was riding on ice. She said like she was just gliding across the streets. It was amazing. And she gets to this harbor and she's parked and she sees like another car down the way she thinks oh, it's probably a couple fooling around she starts thinking some bad thoughts about like when she was young she uh was dating like some guy and he was getting real handsy and then he's like just let me put it in for a minute and she's like no i don't want that and he was like fighting her about it and then she's like loses the thought she's like well, wait wait what happened though what happened with that and then she starts thinking and she's like i've been up so long it's like the old me is starting to slip away it's like she's getting farther from her old life and she doesn't she's forgetting things and then, it just takes a complete Mirakami turn into Weirdville. Like, these shadowy figures, I guess men, surround her little car and just start pounding on the windows and just start to try to, like, flip it. 
Well, they, they start shaking it yeah. back and forth. They're, so it's just rocking back and forth until... And it, she has a full-on panic attack. She's trying to start the car. She's like, oh, I can She's like, what do I do? What do I do? I'll just start the car and get out of here. And that's the time it went, the foreboding, you know, the foreshadowing. It won't start. This is the one or two times a month that it just won't start. And she's trying. And then she drops the keys. And then she's freaking out. And I think the last line is... Uh, she like hits Spoiler her alert. <laughs> she like hits her head off the dashboard. Yeah, she hits her head off the dashboard. I'll never get the key. I fall back against the seat, cover my face with my hands. I'm crying. All I could do is cry. The tears keep pouring out. Locked inside this little box. I can't go anywhere. It's the middle of the night. The men keep rocking the car back and forth. They're going to turn it over. And that's how that ends. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck? What happens? What about her sleep? Like, is she going to ever sleep? Is she, is she? Who's telling the story? I thought she told the story. Did something happen to her? How'd the story get out? Like, there's so many un- unanswered questions. Uh, Very bizarre. But I really like that story. Other than the ending, I was like, come on, keep going with it. What, yeah. what goes on? But I thought it was, uh, like, just the description. Uh, the way she fe- – like, I've never read a story, especially one that should be as boring as that with, like, the mundane aspects of this woman's life and stuff. I've never read a story where I really understood and felt what it would be like to be, like, a married woman who – because you always hear about the stories married woman may be unhappy with their life or their relationship. But that's the first time I think I've read a story where I kind of – can picture it you know like i could really think like oh man this so this is what it would be like if you were in this situation excellently written story weird and the i love the premise did not like did not like the ending not a, not an ending that's it yeah it's not an, an ending. ending it just kind of it just kind of stops which seems to be a, a trend with all these stories so far is no ending so what do you think of it i i liked it uh probably the story I like the most, probably, so far. Yeah. In that collection. I'm hoping the stories get weirder from here. But we're already a half hour in, so that's too long. So, for Mirakami, 30 minutes. Next week, we will be covering... Yeah, Thanksgiving's this Thursday, so we're good. Yeah. Um, This one sounds like a doozy. It's a bigger title than the, the one already. The Fall of the Roman Empire, the 1881 Indian Uprising... Hitler's invasion of Poland in the realm of raging winds. Uh, it's not a long story either. Again, no. the title was probably longer than the story. After that is Lederhosen, which I've never read, so you should really applaud me for actually <laughs> saying that word because I know it's Lederhosen, but I've never read it in my life. And then maybe Barn Burning because those first two stories are pretty short. Yeah, so maybe another three. Uh, we'll see how those goes. That, that sounds like that one's going to be really fucking weird. <laughs> the one with the long title? Yeah. Um, so anyway, this has been a Miracomi Minute, and we thank you for listening. And also, if you have an idea for future Miracomi works, I don't know why I've never said this before, that you would like us to cover. We've been doing short stories because it's easier, but we have not opposed to a novel. Uh, feel free to well, message us or let us know. We just have to find one that you haven't read. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I could still talk about any of them. I wouldn't mind rereading any of them either. Um, so anyway, thank you for listening, and, uh, sayonara? Sayonara.